You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chicago is to blame. When the movie, which at one point was supposed to star Liza Minnelli and Goldie Hawn, finally reached screens in 2002, the results were so thrilling, so accomplished, and so entertaining that it led to years of questionable movie musicals trying to replicate its Oscar-winning formula. But that was then, and hindsight is 2020. How did Chicago hold up? Is it still hot, yeah? Or do today's audiences want to skidoo? I'm Mark Pikert. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. And you're listening to Movie Musical Madness. That showbiz, kid. Joining me today is Mary Sunshine Neely, just out of the Convent of the Sacred Heart. Mary, I'm so excited that you wanted to do Chicago because this is one, this is one of maybe two movie musicals where I'm like, I'm intimidated to talk about this because I really love this movie. No, I think it's like one of the best movie musicals ever, maybe? Yes, it's, it's, no, it's this in Cabaret for me. Yes. No, I know. Singing in the Rain, Chicago. Well, I don't know. I think that's it. <laughs> so uh, this has been a very brief episode. So my first question for you is, how familiar were you with the show before the movie premiered? Well, to be honest with you, I think I was in like the fifth grade or sixth grade when the movie came out. So I and I I was a huge theater kid, like when I was in elementary school, but I wasn't super familiar with this one in particular. It would be weird if you were a child who was obsessed with Chicago. I was like a Fosse fan. If I was like in fourth grade, like Fosse is my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I know. So I remember when the movie came out and like it did have some mature themes but I I did see it and um I was blown away and then when I was a little bit older I actually did actually I actually have my my playbill I have my playbill from when I saw it it was the touring production in Los Angeles it came to the Pantages Theater in Hollywood I love the prop work here I know people can't see I'm holding the playbill so you were not familiar with the show before the movie came out. Was no. Were you as obsessed with the movie when you saw it as I was as a 52-year-old man? 
<laughs> I, I was, I was really, really into it. And I remember like, I did a lot of like musical reviews, you know, like community theater, like where it's like, they slap together a bunch of songs and like this very loose narrative <laughs> that like kind of makes sense or something. Like everybody wanted to do all of that jazz. So I remember when I was like, in seventh or eighth grade in a leotard and like a weird little wig being like, and all like, do you know what I mean? Like that was like the song. In my community theater in small town, Texas, we did. And the world goes round to the Kander Neb review, but the director thought that he knew best. And so in addition to most of the songs and, and the world goes round, he started interpolating other things. So we do all these Kander Neb songs I danced in all that jazz. I think I did a leap and landed on one knee, which is insane to think about because I uh, have no coordination or rhythm. We ended, <laughs> we ended singing Being Alive. That's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I kind of knew, I knew Chicago before because I got very, very into theater uh, and musicals uh-huh. and I was a huge Gwen Verdon fan. Mm. And so one Christmas, my mother got me the original cast album for Chicago, and I listened to it constantly. And then I remember vividly where I was. I was in uh, my dorm at Sarah Lawrence College when the oh. casting for the motion picture came out. Richard oh. Gere, I said, Catherine Zeta-Jones? Bridget Jones is going to be, oh, no, 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 no. Well, believe you me, I ate crow when I saw that movie <laughs> because I flipped when I saw when this movie came out it yeah I had a Chicago poster on my wall in that dorm room or a different dorm room it was the next year that I strangely and I was thinking about this when I was getting ready for this episode I had a Chicago poster that I won at a screening of Steel Magnolias hosted by drag queen Hedda Lettuce in a competition to recite dialogue from the movie and you won I came in second. Somebody else okay. did. Don't talk about me like I'm not here. And they won. <laughs> I played two characters and did the cup of cup of cup of recipe. And I came in second. Oh, you're robbed. I thank you. I didn't want to say it, but other people have over the years. So yes. I appreciate that. I appreciate that acknowledgement. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I love a good behind the scenes video. And I actually, it's funny because like I wrote a musical movie and so I was trying to do a lot of, um, I mean, I'm still trying, always learning. Come on. I was like trying to figure out the transitions that go between, I mean, obviously we have to think about this on stage, the transition between a speaking moment and when the song starts, but in film, I feel like it's even more drastic and you really have to think about the logistics. And I feel like this film does the best way of like transitioning between speaking moments and like in kind of reality into this like escapist song moment or whatever. Um, And so I was watching the behind the scenes and just like, I had this newfound respect for Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones because they like really went for it. And it was just like them in rehearsal. And like, I didn't even know that Catherine Zeta-Jones was like a trained theater actor. And also Renee Zellweger was like ripped. 
Like she has like the craziest back muscles in this movie. So okay, so I rewatched the movie last night so that yeah. we could have this conversation. Yes, and I rewatched this morning. <laughs> I loved it just as much. There are a few things. There always are. I'm impossible to please, Mary. <laughs> when she I'm gonna say it, I'm just gonna say it. I think she's a better dancer in Hot Honey Rag than Catherine Zeta Jones. Mm. Yeah. Also, no, so her good. body. Her I don't body. know if it's just bones sticking out or if those are muscles, but either way, she's rocking it. Rocking it. I was like, whoa, she's she's ripped. She she is so so good in this in yeah. this movie. And let let's put this all in perspective. Two thousand and two was maybe the last movie when adults still the last year when adults still went to the movie theater. <laughs> because here, here were the movies released that were nominated for Oscars that year. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Yes. Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Adaptation. Mm. Far from Heaven. The Hours. Mm. Frida. The Pianist. Oh my, God. oh my God. And you're just like, what? How? How in one single calendar one year? year? No, I know. I feel like that's what happens when you look back at Oscar nominations in like, yeah, like I guess it is any time between or before 2002, 2003, it's like every single one is like just incredible. And then it's like so insane to wrap your mind around the fact that they all were competing against each other. I know. I know. And there are so many things about this movie that are so, so genius. Uh, one, I think that they did a great job with the score uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the perform. I mean, even Richard Gere's weir- weird accent that he only yeah. does on the songs kind of works yeah. for me. Yeah. It's also strange to watch it almost 20 years later because I remember back then I was like, oh, Richard Gere is old now. Oh, he's so old now. And watching it today or yesterday, I was like, oh, my God, he's so sexy handsome man yeah oh, he's a he's a very <laughs> handsome gentleman and yeah, i'm yeah. here for it yeah 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 <laughs> so i do want to address a few things yes before before we continue with our love letter to chicago and to renee zellweger who i've always been obsessed with she's I amazing what derailed her career for a while was be, she became so famous she is a mm. character actress who was who is never supposed to be a movie star Mm, interesting take. Yeah. Because you watch the things where she's trying to uh to do the like the the leading lady thing. Like that what was that weird rom-com where she moved to Alaska and Harry Connick Jr was there? Oh no, I don't even know what that exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you know about uh, Nurse Betty and you know about Bridget Jones's diary, of course. Of course. She was so good in Cold Mountain, too. Did you ever see that? Uh, of course. I only cried once, and I only had one tear, and I stole that one from a crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> so Oscar. 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 Well, they gave her the Oscar because she lost for... Well, they gave Nicole Kidman the Oscar for The Hours instead mm-hmm. of Renee Zellweger for Chicago because Nicole had lost for The Others and Moulin Rouge the year before. Mm. So then the next year, they had to give Renee an Oscar because mm-hmm. they had given Nicole her Chicago Oscar. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which is all moot because Julianne Moore should have won both Oscars in 2003 for Far From mm. Heaven and the Hours. Yes. Oh, Julianne Moore. 
That's I mean, just a fact. All of them, I, I can't even, they're all just geniuses. So I have a question for you. Yes. Famously, in this movie, they filmed and cut Catherine Zeta-Jones and Queen Latifah singing class. Mm. Because it didn't fit in with the the overarching structure of the numbers take place in Roxy's imagination. Right. Yes. So why did they include Mr. Cellophane? Do you think it's because Amos is like more related to Roxy and could be like in her kind of like subconscious than Velma and Matron Mama Morton? Maybe. I just, just well, because first they're of all, married. Cards on the table. I really hate Mr. Cellophane. Oh my god. Guess what? I sang that in a review. <laughs> in another in yet another review. I sang that. I had a little clown nose on. And at the end I said, I'm sorry if I took up too much of your time or whatever the line is. And that is then correct. I heard some mom go, Oh, from the audience, and I was like, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> when I was in like, I don't know, I was like 13. I was like, yes. <laughs> I love that. And you just, you flew home on that wave of adulation. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is performing. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though, because it is structured like her imagination, her like desire to become a performer and her placing herself at the very beginning, I mean, that's kind of like how we're introduced to her character is her imagining herself in Velma's place. And it's a, a fabrication of her mind or whatever. My other thing in the movie, and I'm really struggling to find things to bitch about with this movie. I know, it's hard. It is the ugliest fucking diary I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes. Like, did someone just go to, like, Joanne's and get some shiny metallic fabric and some pipe cleaners and then laboriously decorate a book? Yeah, I wonder, like, I wonder if they have, um, like, like what, like, the historical accuracy is. Like, is there a dramaturg on set who's like, <laughs> actually, this kind of fabric didn't exist in 1920. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they said, don't care. We're going to do it Don't care. Anyway. It's a Hollywood movie, baby. We're, we're stretching the imagination. So I, I have a feeling that you are also an IMDb trivia nerd like myself. Oh, I do. I do love the trivia. So my two favorite things, one is an actual bit of trivia and another is phrasing. My two favorite okay. bits of trivia on IMDb about Chicago are one, uh, Christine Baranski plays Mary Sunshine, which spoiler yes. alert on stage is a man in drag who is then revealed to be a man in act two. I don't remember that. What? Oh yeah. It probably oh flew over your childhood mind. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not paying attention. <laughs> uh, where's Brenda Braxton? <laughs> so uh, Christine Bransky said in an interview that she felt guilty for taking a role away from a drag queen. So in her head, she decided that uh, she would play Mary Sunshine as a closeted lesbian. 
Just okay. a fabulous 1920s lesbian. Bringing representation to the role. Yep, I love that. My other favorite bit of trivia is uh, it's one of those people who's like, hmm, in the song All That Jazz, they reference Lucky Lindy. Lucky Lindy was the nickname for aviation pioneer and noted anti-Semite Charles Lindbergh. Oh, no. Uh, he was a noted anti-Semite, and he was yeah. a very, uh, oh, Hitler, we love him. And a eugenicist. Oh, no. uh, but yeah, I just love, oh, I, I love the fact that someone felt the need to point that out. Yeah. In the Chicago trivia? I feel like also that trivia was probably written in like 2003. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. instead of instead of there being like a tweet, like debunking thread on like, well, guess what? This part is actually anti-Semitic. It's just hidden in this like IMDb trivia from 2003. I love secret trivia. I really, yeah. really do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when, sorry, what is your go-to song from Chicago? Oh man. I love, um, I love Roxy Heart. Roxy. Is it just Roxy? Is that just the name of the song? Yeah, just Roxy, yeah. Let me pull up my playbill again. (laughs) Reference the musical numbers. It's Uh, a great song. I also love I Can't Do It Alone. Because I can't do it alone. I love that song. I used to sing that song and and do like my own choreography in my room. Oh, what was your choreography? Oh, just like a very watered down bad version of what um, Catherine Zeta Jones does in the in the film. You know, honestly, <laughs> where is this? Where is this lip sync video from you? Oh gosh, I know, right? This is the one that people are <laughs> clamoring for. That's true. There are a few songs that I because I the whole point of my thread was like all the songs that really meant a lot to me growing up. And I felt like if I did ones that I didn't know that well, it would feel really inauthentic and not the same, but there are like a few, like maybe like less than four that like I didn't do that. I'm like, I feel like it's the the time has passed, but Hey, you can revive at any time. You know what? (laughs) We should really talk about reviving that uh, in conjunction with the release of this episode. So we hit them on all fronts. Oh, wow. Branding. Mm -hmm. Synergy. (laughs) Oh, I love synergy. Yes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
uh, I think Roxy is probably my favorite number. The mm-hmm. it's a perfectly written song, and the monologue is brilliant. Yes, it's so good, and her the costumes, ah, oh, so good. I mean that dre- the, the staging of that number is mm-hmm. so mesmerizing. Yes. And I remember I went on a date with a boyfriend at the time, my second time seeing Chicago. Mm. And he was about to go to the bathroom. And I was like, don't you dare. Roxy's about to happen. And yeah, then the number cannot. ended. The number ended. And he was like, oh, thank you. That's the only number I was really excited about from the trailer. And I was like, yeah, because you have eyes. Yeah, yeah. You're like, wow, I'm glad that you said that. Otherwise, we wouldn't go on any more dates. <laughs> And we and we were together for a year and a half. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> yes, I don't know where he is now. I can't find him online. Oh, really? You've looked for him? Oh yeah. In recent oh, I, times. Oh, I Google like it was a pandemic. I have nothing else to do. No, I literally going through the all Rolodex. of my ex boyfriends. Yeah, I know that's. I kind of I did the same thing at the beginning of the lockdown. Hey, you still with that girl? What's up? <laughs> how's, how's everything going? I'm by myself. <laughs> oh, oh, to be alone. The greatest luxury during pandemic times is loneliness. Yes, actually. Because while I did text a few men from my past at the beginning of all of this, I do have to say I'm very thankful. I'm not stuck with some like boy who doesn't know how to do his own laundry. Cause I would have kicked him out already. Well, it's very easy to do laundry. Uh, I, you unscrew the broom from the broomstick <laughs> and you, you, that, uh, you wash your clothes in the tub with dish soap. And yes. then, you, then you use a salad spinner to dry your delicates. Oh, thank you. I should tell, I, you should actually text all of my exes and tell them that. <laughs> But here is my train of thought. Uh, boys who don't know how to do their own laundry. Oh, I would have shot them dead like Roxy shoots Fred Casely dead. Oh, right. Yes. Another important point that I wanted to address. The one the one actual thing that I do not love about the movie is, and I understand why they did it. They soften Roxy by changing her reaction to shooting Fred. Oh, like she's not as angry. So, well, in or like the, vindicated or something on Broadway, she shoots him, he dies, and her only reaction is, I gotta pee. Oh, and here she's like sobbing and shaking, yeah. And it makes her it makes it more of a moment of passion and less of like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck you, asshole. No, I'm gonna be a star, and you're not standing in my way. True, 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 true. But I also don't know if I want to sit and watch a movie where a woman kills a man and then turns to the camera for all intents and purposes and says, I got to pee. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100 percent. I'm sure that was the creative team in the studio being like, we have to make her kind of likable. And what's shocking to me upon rewatch is how little they actually do to make her likable. Yeah, but you, you're on her side, like, yeah. throughout yes. basically the entire movie. But she really, doesn't, she really doesn't soften the character, and she does not go for sympathy. And mm-hmm. she's very stupid. Yeah. 
in a way that isn't making fun of the stupidity. No, I know. I mean, it's like, cause I feel like your first kind of glimpse that like, Oh, this girl doesn't really have a handle on reality is like her genuinely believing that this like furniture salesman is going to get her like some performance job or something. <laughs> and like, she just is believing everything that he's saying and just going along with it. And like, and then, yeah, like her like kind of inundation into like the prison and, and like the way that the first couple interactions she has with Velma and how like, basically Velma's like, don't touch my underwear. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. It's same. it's interesting. Same. Yeah, actually, please don't. I mean, Renee Zellweger, Roxy, if you want to go wash someone's underwear, uh, Mary has a list of exes who don't know yes, how. So they need it. They need it more. <laughs> so you know, much I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to add Roxy to our group chat and introduce her to them so she can get them <laughs> squared away. I also I think it's really easy to forget that this was not a surefire hit when it came out. This was a mm -hmm. huge, huge risky gamble that we all kind of thought was going to be just another flop because there mm -hmm. had not been a successful movie musical since the best little whorehouse in Texas. Mm. And I read too, that the last time, the time before Chicago, the last time that uh, a musical won best picture was like Oliver in like 1968 or something. Yes. Yes. It's like really been a minute. And I mean, totally deserved. I think it really is a great movie. I think even with that list of movies that we listed earlier, uh, this one is still a, a brilliant, engrossing piece of cinema and works on every level that you could ask a movie to work on. The other thing, the other thing that kind of gets lost over the course of history is it was a big deal that they cast Queen Latifah. Hmm. And it doesn't seem like that now because she's done so much. I mean, she played Bessie Smith for yeah. HBO for that for that uh, movie, which is basically Mama Morton in retrospect is kind of her audition to play Bessie Smith. Mm. But she's one of the standouts of the movie. She's so good. She's so good. They're all great. And young Susan Meisner was uh, pop that gum one more time, Bernie. Yeah. And Susan Meisner, for those of you who uh, don't know, played Joan McCracken in Fosse Verdon on FX. Perfect uh, segue. <laughs> she was she was Stan's wife on The Americans. Amazing. And I believe she played Lonely Boy and Little Jay's mother on Gossip Girl. Oh my god. Working a working actress. Uh, we love to see it. We love, love to see it. see it. Love it. So I do want to address the stage versions because mm -hmm. this is this is one of those shows that has such an insane history. Starting yeah. with, I mean, there's that entire episode of Fosse Verdon dedicated to how horrible they were to each other in the making of Chicago and all of the shit that went down behind the scenes. But never forget, Liza Minnelli stepped in after learning the role in like two days and played Roxy for a couple of weeks. Incredible. Never forget that. So this is new information. I just found this out. I do not think that this is public knowledge. 
when they did it at Encores, when they did the production at Encores that eventually transferred to Broadway and won all the Tonys and is still running, if Broadway were running, it was supposed to be B.B. Newworth as Velma and Liza mm. as Roxy. Mm. And Liza dropped out at the last minute because there was a scheduling conflict. And Anne Reinking was always going to choreograph. And she said, oh, well, I guess I already know the choreography and I have done it before. Okay, I'll sure, I'll play Roxy. And it's the funny rest- that that happened again. Like Liza doing the opposite this time, though. Yeah, this was Annie's turn to shine. Yes, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. And, important note, the Broadway Chicago does not recreate the original Fosse choreography. It is Fosse-esque choreography. Mm. Well, that's fascinating trivia added to the imdb (laughs) um but i because i was reading too like a little bit about how i was reading about how um the original it was a play yeah it was like a play and then the original broadway show actually didn't last that long no, it like was no. it was like less than a thousand performances, and then it became the longest running revival when it was revived. It's everyone always says that Chicago was ahead of its time. Uh, I actually don't think that's true. I think that the story of Chicago is timeless, uh, and I yes. think that it applies to any era. And mm-hmm. I think that when it's up against a chorus line, which is not an extremely dark, cynical, sexy show people wanted to see the new thing and not Chicago, which kind of makes you feel bad about being, it indicts the audience. You are, you have paid money to sit in the theater to watch this show about murderers who have careers because audiences buy tickets to see them perform. Yeah. And so it forces you to ask if you are part of the problem as well when it's done right. Uh, And I will say, I have only seen Chicago on stage once, and that was with Miss Lisa Rinna and her husband, Mr. Harry Hamlin. Oh, wow. Wonderful. It was great. So cool. Sorry, there was a tone to my voice, but actually, I really love Lisa Rinna, and she was a fantastic Roxy. No, the way that you said it actually made me think that it was like, you were like presenting the information. And I was like, here for it. Great. It was wonderful. Yes, perfect. There's also, for those of you who want to continue a deep dive, and Mary, if you've not seen this, I highly recommend that you get on it. Uh, So Goldie Hawn and Liza Minnelli had a TV special in the early 80s called Goldie and Liza Together. Oh, wow. There are many highlights. Among them, uh, Goldie Hawn wearing a trench coat sings YMCA while... Scantily clad muscle men bench press her. Perfect aesthetic. Liza sings Bad Girls with slow-mo choreography. Okay. And it ends with the two of them doing all that jazz. Wow. Which Gotta is look this up. Which is basically their audition for the movie because they thought that it was happening one of the many permutations that this movie has had over the years was goldie hahn and liza were going to do it and goldie hahn would be roxy yes okay an incredible alternate universe thing to think about right yeah 
it's like uh when they were working on the Avita movie, which went also took forever to come to screen. Mm-hmm. Liza did a 30 minute taped audition for director Ken Russell. Oh my gosh. She's like wearing the blonde wig and do it like fully made up costumed as Ava Perone. Where is that footage? I would spend so much money on that footage. Me Actors too. Fund and SAG after foundation need to get on that auction that off archive it. Archive it for our our personal use to just well, watch yeah. and admire. It's our <laughs> idea, so we need to get copies and then auction yes. it. Off. But we yes. need, <laughs> we need uh, free copies. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Madonna was in talks to do it at one point. Yes. Yeah. Which I it doesn't throw me. Hmm. It doesn't make me as excited as the prospect of a Goldie and Liza situation. I can't even imagine. I mean, I guess as Roxy again, she would be Roxy Madonna. I'm not sure. Cause I don't, I kind of could see maybe that, but it would be, I feel like it would have one of those weird, like eighties or not like early nineties aesthetics of like really cheesy, like where like now we would be like, it would be so camp and we'd be like, ha ha <laughs> love yes. it, but ha ha, you know, but like the Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta Jones is so perfect it uh, to take has, it seriously. It has not aged. Like, no. it doesn't seem like a time capsule, even down to the cast, because so often mm-hmm. you watch a movie and you're like, oh, what happened to that person? Or, oh, wow. No, they're all still when, here. Yeah. Remember when Josh Hartnett was a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, like, Tay Diggs is still working and thriving. Yes. Richard is still working. Like, those, uh, obviously, Renee Zellweger just had a huge comeback with Judy. Yes, yes. And it's just, it's a flawless cast. It really, mm-hmm. like, I really do think it is a flawless movie, uh, an almost flawless movie. I know the costume design, I kind of can't get over. Oscar winning. talk about it again. Oscar winning costume design. So what's your, favorite, what's your favorite Roxy dress? Well, I did already reference the Roxy dress in Roxy, the number. But actually, Funny Honey... Like when she, she had, I actually noticed it more upon this viewing. She's wearing, I love this, this pink kind of like slip that she's wearing, but then these garters that are so detailed, like this gorgeous silk that's just pinned in like the most incredible way of holding up her stockings. I was like, give me this entire outfit, please. I'll wear it to just like a party because now you can wear lingerie as a, as a thing. It's like a fashion thing. Now I do it. If well, I could you, go to a party. <laughs> you always could. People might look askance at you, but you could always go to a party in your underwear. Like, you always could. You always could go to a party in your underwear. Come on. No, but now I feel like it's more acceptable. Like I feel like people wouldn't, wouldn't be questioned. be like, Oh yeah, that's just fashion. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I love fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite Roxy dress is the black sequined nowadays dress. Mm-hmm. Like cut down to her navel. Oh my God, I know. And of course she's ripped, so it looks perfect. Oh, and we do need to point out, before I ask my final question, we do need to point yeah. out 
she was way ahead of the curve in terms of giving herself a quarantine <laughs> haircut because she gave yes. herself a tight peroxide perm with nothing but a prison mirror, an old toothbrush, and a contraband bottle of peroxide. Final question. Does this, mu- does this musical stand on its own without knowledge that it is a Broadway show? I think it does. Yeah, 100%. It's 100%. one of the very few that I think... It's one of the very few that I think does not benefit from knowledge of the original stage property. Yeah, because I think from what I read, it actually the film actually reinvigorated the Broadway version. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it actually was like it worked in reverse almost. Because yeah, the film is. I think the film does such an incredible way of combining theatric the theatricality of stage moments where they have a lot of shots where it's clearly like they're trying to emulate a Broadway feel of like looking at like a theater, you know, in only in a lot of the numbers, because it's so built in to the narrative too, that it's like a performing that's part of like the story is that they're vaudeville and and yeah cabaret performers or whatever and and it does such a good job of of combining that theatricality with the kind of like set of just like an uh, a standard hollywood movie where it has both pieces seamlessly integrated in my opinion well there you have it guys the verdict is unanimous not guilty (laughs) <laughs> and this is movie musical magic. Yes, 100%. Mary Neely, thank you so much for joining me today. What a delight. Thank you. Oh, I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm just, I'm so happy that you chose this one. So I got to talk about something, I got to watch something that I really love. Yeah, I was happy too, because... I was like worried when, when I read the description, I was like, Oh no, is he going to want me to talk shit about this movie? Because I really love it. And then I was so happy. Like immediately you were like, so I love this movie. I was like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can make anybody hate anything for one minute, but I didn't need to this time. Wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for listening. And please tune in next week for another episode of Movie Musical Madness. This episode of Movie Musical Madness was edited by Kyle Moore with theme music by Sunshine Music. And thank you for listening to Movie Musical Madness, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about the podcast and me at bpn.fm slash movie musical madness. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.